Good morning. Man, God's good, isn't he? We, uh, thank you. We had an amazing conference race since greetings from Bayside with the 11,000 people that gathered there this weekend. They had 13 Easter services and had 1,000 people come to Jesus Christ this year. It was absolutely astounding. Amen. And uh, he, he asked about you and he loved his time here. I told him since he was here, we've gone to two services. The church is growing. Things are really good. Did you see the offering last week? How about that? Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, that was pretty weak. I got really excited about it. I'm going to tell you. Well, we are at the end of another sermon series. I feel like that's what my life is. It's like uh, I was born in 1959. There's a dash and there's an ending. And in my dash, there's a whole bunch of sermons. You know what I'm saying? And there's a whole bunch of living, too, and I'm grateful for that. But this morning, uh, we're going to spend some time on a very simple, simple verse. But I just want to say something first. On the uh, worship guide on the flap, there's a place for you to sign up. And let me just encourage you. I would love to have to meet in here because we had so many people. I really believe this sermon series has been meant to uh, encourage, to motivate, to inspire, to challenge you. But this equipping class, I think, will help you to get it all the way, the rest of the way down. And uh, Randy Williams and uh, Jason McHenry and myself will be teaching that. It starts on Thursday night at 6.30. So please sign up today uh, on uh, the info kiosk. You can sign up right here on your worship guide, or you can uh, go online. So it's a great thing, and I think that uh, God wants to really do something awesome. Last weekend, I focused on a word called boldness. It was from the uh, book of Acts, the fourth chapter, the 29th verse. And I asked you to pray that every day this week. I'm curious, did many of you pray that? Did many of you pray that? I hope you did. And here's what I'd like to do. I'd like for you to send me emails and let me know how you've been bold this past week or how you're going to be bold this week for Christ. See, my heart is not just to give you material. I have no problem with content and, and bringing you God's word. But my prayer, my greatest joy as pastor is to see you apply the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, uh, the scripture says, don't be mere hearers, but be doers. And we've got to be doers. And I, man, I'm, after this conference, man, God's really kind of jacked me up to another level. So I'm excited about that. Well, look at the message truth here with me this morning, because I think it's, uh, I think it's pretty important. And if you'll look there at the top of your notes, you'll see this. Becoming a Christian isn't about praying a prayer, attending church, or being committed to God. The message of Christ is simple. God loved us enough to give his son, Jesus, to die for us. All he asks of us is that we place our trust in him. And when we place our trust in him, he will give us eternal life. And that's the promise of the Father. And uh, so as I'm thinking about this, I'm just thinking about how much do we really love other people? You know, God loves us, and because he first loved us, we should love one another. And if we really love people, we're going to tell them about the good news of Christ. We're going to tell them about how we got our sins forgiven. And yet Christ loved us so much that he was rejected and spurned by men and, and misunderstood. And, and yet I even think about pastors today and teachers. We have complicated the gospel. We've made it much harder than it really is. When I was doing studies at Emory many years ago, we had this... Uh, well, I had a lot of classes, but this one theological class, I remember for about three days we broke down salvation. It's called Sociotereology. It's the study of salvation. And we did about six pages of charts. And I got through doing that. I said, if anybody has to understand this to get saved, I don't think people are going to come to Jesus. You know what I'm saying? And it's, and I have a friend, 
I haven't seen him in years. He started Save a Life. He started a lifeline that Jason and Melanie really, really love. His name is Wells Goble. And Wells Goble is one of the most profound evangelists. He's probably about 75 or 80 years of age now. He's a real big guy. I mean, like, just big guy. And I never will forget what he said. He said, you know, when I first got saved, he said, I had a little stem of matches. And I wrote John 3.16 on there. And he shared Christ with a match book. Over and over and over, he would lead people to Christ with John 3.16. So this morning, we're going to look at John 3.16 and 17 and some other verses. You're going to go, oh, man, I already know that. I know. That's the problem. We already know it in our mind. We have an intellectual, volitional understanding. And yet, let me tell you, there's not 42 ways to come to Christ. There's one way to come to the Father, and that's by Jesus Christ and Him alone. And in our world right now, we're being beat up. That's right. We're being beat up by all the roads to God and spirituality. And you can get spirituality. It just ain't the spirituality that'll take you to heaven. And, I uh, mean, it's a bunch of bunk out there. But so here's what I want to do. I, there's two things I want you to know. Write this down. Two things I want you to know today. Number one, what do I need to know? Write that down. What do I need to know today? I'm going to try to tell you. And the second one is, what do I need to do? What do I need to know? In my mind, in my heart, but then what do I need to do about that which I've understood? You see, to share Christ doesn't mean you have to explain creation. To share Christ with somebody doesn't mean you have to understand the study of salvation. To share Christ doesn't mean to know you have to know eschatology, or you don't have to know all about the Antichrist, or the millenniums. And all those things are good, and as Christ followers, we should be studying God's Word, but that's not all what we need to do, because we complicate it. I just want you to write this word down today. Salvation starts with repentance. It just starts right there. Repentance. See, a lot of people leave repentance out of the equation. And I think there's not biblical salvation until we have repentance. And repentance means I was going one way, God stopped me, I turned around, I looked to God in Jesus Christ, and I started walking after Him. Wholly devoted to Jesus. Do I have a witness? I just amen myself if you're not going to do it with me, okay? I've been with Bishop Sherwood, and I'm going to tell you what, this black man can preach like nobody. Let me tell you what I did. I talked to Bishop Sherwood, and he's the Sacramento King's chaplain that Ray told us about, and I asked him if he would come to Montgomery, Alabama. He said, are you kidding? I said, Bishop, I want you to come. He's going to come to our city. Are you excited about that? And I believe there's something that God's got for him to tell our people. But I'm really thinking this is going to be like a city-wide deal, so y'all be praying with me about that. But I just, after you hear Sherwood, he just doesn't mix words. And when you're as big as him, you know how big Adam used to be? He's bigger than that. And he's just this big man. And and I, I listened to Israel Houghton the other day do his concert with New Breed. They were phenomenal. And I'm going to tell you what, he had a keyboard player, and he was a... He was a chubby boy, too. Okay, so let's, let's move on through this. But we need to repent. Now, look, let's look at this. Here it is. In, right there on your notes, I put it there in case you didn't bring your Bible. John 3.16, I want you to circle four words. Now, everybody can do this. If you're in first grade, if you're in twelfth uh, grade, we got some seniors here, they're gifted. If you're in college, man, if you didn't go to school, you quit school, you can do this. Ready? I want you to circle the word loved. I want you to circle the word loved in John 3.16. I want you to circle the word gave. I want you to circle the word believes. And I want you to circle the word eternal life. If you can get those four words down this morning, then my time is going to be incredibly valuable with you. Because that's what God wants to tell us today is about this. You see, sleeping in a garage don't make you a car. Sitting in the parking lot of McDonald's don't make you a french fry. You know what I'm saying? And sitting in this church don't make you a Christ follower. 
And I'm going to tell you, I hear people all the time, well, I go to church. You see, we always say that in the Bible Belt. Do you go to church? And that's a good thing when you live in, in the South, because everybody goes to church, or they know somebody that went to church, or they or they went to a funeral one time, or they live next door to me, or they live next door to you. So everybody's got this religious spirit. But I'm talking about, I want you to be biblical Christ followers. Do you know what I'm saying? And we're going to just break this down this morning, because I think God wants to speak to our hearts. But I wrote it on this message, Truth. You see, you don't see the sinner's prayer in the Bible. Did you know that? We invite people every weekend to trust Jesus Christ. We invite them to come and take over our life and be Lord and to rule. But you won't see the exact sinner's prayer. And I think for far too long, everybody's been so worried about a prayer. You see, I want to talk to you about a relationship with Jesus Christ. There are a lot of people that believe the Bible says even the demons believe and they tremble and they're lost. You've got to do more than just believe with your mind. So this morning you're saying, well, I've already done that, or I've been considering that, or I've been hung up on that, or I've got, I doubt my salvation. Martin Luther, the great guy of the Reformation said, three, John 3.16 is simply the miniature gospel. The gospel is contained in that one verse of scripture, John 3.16. I remember growing up in a non-Christ honoring home, and I knew John 3.16. When you lived in Montgomery, Alabama all your life, everybody learned John 3.16. Thanks to the Gideons, thanks to the uh, spirit that dwelt here in the 60s. I mean, it was incredible. And people would share Christ and, all, and I always heard John 3.16. So I knew what it was. I just didn't know what it was to believe on him with my heart. So here's, here's the points. So let's get there together. Number one, God so loved. Now, I want you to write by this because I've given another little thing. God's grace. That is God's grace. God so loved. He loves you and me. There's an incredible way here. But what we do is we want to run from God. In the scripture, I did a whole series on Jonah. And Jonah was so dumb or crazy, he ran from God. And what happened? He got in the belly of a whale and he got tossed up. Man, his cookies got tossed up. You know what I'm saying? And you can't run from God. Oh, you can run. He'll let you run. But you ain't going to outrun the loving, outstretched arm of your heavenly father. One guy preached a message one day. It's called the hound of heaven. He is here pursuing you this morning if you're far from Christ. My greatest joy is to present Jesus. My greatest joy is to see you be able to present Christ to other people. So here it is. Did God ignore the world? No. Absolutely not. God did not ignore you and me. He paid careful attention. He declares his love in Jesus Christ. He's the lover of my soul. He chased me down. He rescued me. He redeemed me. He gave me a new heart. He gave me a heart of flesh from a heart of stone. And can we just give him praise right there? Because that's the kind of God he is. He loves us. It's an amazing deal. And he loves you this morning. You go, well, okay, so here it is, this God. Here's what I'd call John 3.16. The agape love of God. It's that love that you can't even really explain because it's just so uh, incomprehensible. This love knows no limits. This love is irresistible. Do you know that love this morning? I didn't say, do you know about the love of God? Do you know the love of God? It's different to know about God. It's different to know about Jesus Christ. It's a whole other thing to know Him. So here's number one. God so loved. In John 3.16, it's 25 words. It's all it is. 25 words. But these words can change your life. Let's move to the next section here. Number two. He gave. I call this God's gift. 
God gives. He gives an inexpressible gift in His Son, Jesus Christ, whom there is no greater gift under heaven. And I'm still trying to figure this out because He gave Christ not because you and I were worthy, but because He cared for us, because He wanted to rescue us, and He wanted to give us a new life. And I'm so grateful this morning that He did that. So He proves His love. I like what the Scripture says. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I don't know about you, but man, I was running really hard from God till he got my attention, till he arrested me. And still there's some times where I want to be a little rebellious and stubborn, and his love just continues to reach, and that love continues to try to consume and draw us back. But this greatest love of God, listen to 1 John four nineteen: We love him because he first loved us. So you're like, well, I woke up one day, I just thought I'd be good to animals and pet rocks and love God. Well, you sound like you're some nature boy that needs some help, okay? No, we love God because he has shown his love. He's come near in Jesus Christ. And all these religions and, and cults and all these things that are trying to prove these paths to God and, and they're simply man-made religions, they fall short. We have the answer in Jesus Christ. Man, I get so excited about it. Look at the third one here, simply. Whoever believes in his son, whoever believes, and that's called God's gospel. Whoever believes, do we believe in Christ? Shall not perish. Believe is, is a verb. It's an action word. And when I believe, I don't just go, oh, I come into agreement with you, God. God, I was kind of thinking what you thought. You, you have enlightened my mind. Well, that's where it starts. But it moves into more action. Here, here's my favorite illustration. This stool can simply demonstrate... See, to believe, I believe in that stool. I, I really do. It'll hold fat boys like me. And, you know, I could, you know, kind of weak this morning. I, I kind of lean on it, you know. I'm kind of believing in it, you know. Well, you know, I did, I did kind of touch it. That's not really believing in it, is it? You know what belief is? You sit on it. You put your full weight on it. You lean into it with everything you've got. You're thinking, man, that's a, that still is getting a workout right now, Pastor. I'm leaning all my weight on this stool. Have you done that with Jesus Christ? Have you put all your heart, soul, and mind and love the Lord your God with everything you've got? And you say, Jesus Christ, I want you to be the Lord of my life. You know, I was listening to a guy at this conference the other day, and he kept talking about the things that Jesus did. And Jesus showed up and he had these crowds. But so many times Jesus would preach and they got down to a few people. Because they couldn't handle the tough sayings of Jesus. So here's what I want to say to us this morning. It costs to be a follower of Jesus Christ. I cannot sugarcoat the gospel of Jesus. Do you know what I'm saying? And you can't sugarcoat it when you share Christ with somebody. God is love. God did what? He gave. He gave His Son, Jesus Christ. You say, well, I already know that. I'm, I'm glad you're showing us here in John 3.16. And we'll, So whoever believes. Now let's move down to the next one. I like number four. It says, whoever believes shall have eternal life. We have eternal life. Now, the section there would be called God's glory. You see, everybody will live forever. You're all going to live forever. You can be in Christ this morning or you can be out of Christ, but you will live forever. Hebrews says you will live and after that face judgment. Every person will live forever somewhere, hell or heaven. But Jesus said, if you believe in me, I'll give you eternal life, life everlasting. I was reading from the message and I just, uh, you know, I was reading this uh, very familiar passage. But I said, God, I, I just want to see how the, the Greek scholar put it. So listen to this, 316 through 18. 
This is the way Eugene put it. This is how much God loved the world. He gave His Son, His one and only Son. And this is why so that no one need be destroyed by believing in Him. Anyone can have a whole and lasting life. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending His Son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. He came to help, to put the world right again. Anyone who trusts in Him is acquitted. And anyone who refuses to trust Him has long since been under the death sentence without knowing it. Wow! Isn't that powerful? And we can go, it's like this day. If you go, oh, I don't believe in Jesus Christ. There's a spiritual law at work. Let me tell you what. We got this ninja on staff. His name's uh, Jason McHenry. And I was out there speaking in California, and I made you famous, Jason. I showed that in my presentation. And those people were just dying laughing. And, you know, Jason is a, is a pretty athletic guy, and he's a little bit insane. But you know what? If Jason came in here tomorrow or next Sunday, he goes, you know what? I just don't believe in the law of gravity. I, I've been contemplating it in my studies, and I think it's wrong. And let's say he gets his little ninja skills and he gets up there on the tower. He goes, watch this. I'm going to do a swine dive. I'm just going to jump off. Now, Jason, I ain't giving you no ideas, okay? And Jason just jumps off. Jason is going to break some bones before he hits the ground or when he hits the ground. You know what I'm saying? He says, but I don't believe in gravity. Bro, it don't matter if you believe in gravity or not. You're going to hurt. Well, you know what? I'm trying to tell you about Jesus. You can believe him or not. But He is the reality of life. If you don't trust Jesus Christ, you see, there's a lot more to death than just going to an empty casket or to a casket and seeing people. I give praise to my God that redeemed me from the empty way of life. He has redeemed me. He's redeemed you if you've trusted in Jesus Christ by the precious blood of the Lamb. Do you know what I'm saying? That's something to give Him praise for right here, church. This is awesome news. See, a lot of people don't brag. He's man, you're always bragging about the name. You're always bragging about the blood. You're always bragging about Jesus. He's all I got, folks. You know, I can talk about other stuff and entertain you, but I want to teach you God's full word. So here it is. Whoever believes, then he has eternal life. What happens after I die? Well, I will tell you this. We are all made in the image of God. We have the thumbprint of God on our design. And God promises eternal life. In other words, when we receive Christ, we're God's eternal possession. Are you God's eternal possession this morning? Will you live with Him forever when you die, when you draw your last breath? I'm going to tell you, man, that's the hope that we have, the righteousness of Jesus Christ, not to try harder, not to be better, not to be more disciplined, but to trust in Christ and Him alone for salvation. 1 John 5, 12. He who has the Son has life. Hallelujah. I get excited about that. When we have Christ, we have life with a big L. We have the abundant, overflowing life from the Spirit of the living God. That's what I found over 30 years ago in Jesus Christ. God loves us. God loves us. We believe it. Then we receive eternal life. One of my favorite stories, I told it in uh, uh, Brazil. And then Randy told me afterwards, he goes, Man, smoking down here is really bad. I'm glad you got to the point because, like, they they don't think you're Christian at all if you smoke, you know, and and you hadn't beat that addiction or whatever. And he, so I, I told the story, and I could tell I didn't I couldn't see Randy then, but he later he goes, man, you were making me sweat. And pastors have a way of doing that. But but here here's my story. There was this little guy named Gabriel, and he was in Zimbabwe, and he loved to smoke. And uh, so this missionary came through their community, and he gave him a copy of the gospel, and he said, now Gabriel. I want to give you this New Testament 
But you got to do something. You cannot smoke it until you read it. Okay? He said, now I want you to read the Gospel of John. Gabriel got it out and it was in his own language. He read John 1, thought that was pretty good. He wrote it up and he smoked it. He read, I don't encourage this, okay? He read John 2, wrote it up and he smoked it. He read John 3. And his life was changed forever by the power of the gospel. That's why John 3.16 is so powerful. And y'all, I could give you 42 scriptures, 100 scriptures, and I will do that at certain times, but this morning I just want us to get the gospel down to how simple it is. The guy that discipled me, an oral surgeon in this city, his wife is one of the dearest women, isn't she, Donna? And Kay, one time she goes, you know, and she's very smart, but she goes, you know what? I don't know about all that heavy stuff. I just know God loves me in Jesus Christ. And that woman is one of the most attractive witnesses for Christ. She's been telling people about John 3.16 for years because her life backs it up with the influence and the integrity of a changed, redeemed life. Amen? And your life can back that up. You don't have to be some Bible scholar. But we get the Bible so complicated. And the Bible can be confusing. I'm not going to give you that. and Or I will give you that. And, and But salvation is simple. And we don't need to complicate it so much. But God, let me give you this this morning. God is not angry. God is not mad. God has come near in His Son and God is crazy. He's madly in love with you this morning, friend. And my prayer is that today some people are going to come near to Jesus Christ and they're going to receive Christ. They're going to have their sins forgiven. They're going to have eternal life when they walk across the room and they receive the hope of glory today. How many of you believe that's going to happen today? I'm believing today some people are going to come to biblical salvation in Jesus Christ. John 3.17, look at it with me here. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. You know, one day we will face judgment. I'm not going to sugarcoat that. But Jesus didn't come to condemn us now. He came to provide salvation. He came to provide eternal life. Y'all have got a, a verse there uh, marked in your thing. Did you see it today? And I've been giving these verses to you to carry around with you. And it's, today is just simply John 3.17. Just meditate on this scripture. Memorize it. Share it with somebody. It's the power of the gospel. And there's one thing about it. We can look at TV. We can look at the movies. We can look at music. We can look at society. And the culture will already, already tell us that it's condemned just by the way it lives. But God did not come to condemn us in Jesus Christ. He came to save us, to believe, to trust, to lean on Him with all our heart. Because see, there is a prince of this world. His name is Lucifer, Satan. He already stands condemned. He will be judged. Amen? But Christ comes to set us free. So let's not reject Christianity. Let's get the real thing here. Now let's look at this right here quickly. Number one, live out your faith. Just live it out. I've been, I've been teaching about the gospel. I've been teaching about evangelism. But this is the heart of what I'm trying to say. We've got to be witnesses for God. And we've got to live it before men. We've got to live it before our friends. We've got to live it before our enemies. Just live it out. Model it. Have influence. Your classmates, your co-workers, your, your soccer moms, what, whatever it is. Just go, you know what? I'm going to live for Jesus Christ. I'm going to put it on the line. And I'm even going to open my mouth. What a novel concept this morning. Amen? And we just go, you know what, i got to tell somebody about Jesus. And let's move down to this. Number two, you lay out the gospel. You share the gospel as clear as you know how. I've just given you the simplest verse in all the Bible, John 3, 16. You just share that in the power of Christ, in the power of the Spirit. And you go, you know what, I don't know a lot, but I know John 3, 16, and I know Christ changed my life, and I just want to share this hope that I found in my risen, redeemed Savior. Amen? And you can do that. And you go, well, that's all I got to do. Just, just lay it out there, present the message of hope. Just go, let me, let me tell you what I heard at the conference. This is amazing. 
I think the greatest evangelist that's ever walked the planet of the earth was not the Apostle Paul. Because he did not live in the day that we do. His name is Dr. Billy Graham. He has preached to over 213 million people alive in the first 60 years of his life. They have three and a half million registered public decisions for Jesus Christ and his crusades. But let me tell you what's cool that I heard. This is so awesome. Just in the last six years, they had this new campaign because here Dr. Graham's now at 89. He's in really bad shape. And Franklin Graham is really taking that ministry and hound from his dad. But in the last six and a half years, they're taking old Billy Graham crusades and things, and they're translating that to the dialects and the languages all over the world. And let me tell you what I heard. This is the most amazing thing. In the last six years, since they started all the DVD projects, six and a half million people have received Jesus Christ in the ministry of Dr. Billy Graham. Isn't that awesome? Wow. Ten million people because of the witness of one man. You say, why do you tell me? You know what? I, I meet people all the time that said they came to Jesus Christ watching the Billy Graham crusade. But here's what I'll tell you. If you just win one to Jesus, is that not worth it? And I think you could win two and five and ten. And let me tell you, church, we have gotten so stinking complacent. My prayer is that we're going to start winning people to Christ. This series is meant to inspire you, church. We've got to get out there and tell somebody. You say, well, man, you... And here's the third one. We leave the results to God. We share Christ. We lay it out there. And then we go, Holy Spirit, you draw them. Holy Spirit, you convict them. Holy Spirit, you do your work. But I've got a question this morning. Is there anybody in heaven today because of you? Is there anybody on the way to heaven because of your witness this morning? I surely hope so. If not, today's a great day to start. But I'm going to share this with you. Because this has been my favorite story for years. Somebody gave it to me 25 years ago. It's called My Friend. I carried this in the back of my Bibles, some of them, and I just pulled it. I want. Uh, tell you what, if you want to get a copy of this, let Cheryl know. We'll be glad to email it to you. Or maybe we can have them at the info kiosk next weekend. Listen to this. My friend, I stand in judgment now and feel that you're to blame somehow. On earth, I walk with you by day and never did you show the way. You knew the Lord in truth and glory, but never did you tell the story. My knowledge then was very dim. You could have led me safe to him. Though we live together here on earth, you never told me of the second birth. And now I stand this day condemned because you failed to mention him. You taught me many things. That's true. I called you friend and I trusted you. But I learned now that it's too late and you could have kept me from this fate. We walk by day and we talk by night and yet you showed me not the light. You let me live and love and die. You knew I'd never live on high. Yes, I called you friend in life and trusted you throughout joy and strife. And yet now I'm coming to this dreadful end. I cannot now call you my friend. Does that sum it up? That right there makes me do what I do every day. I have to share Jesus and so do you. It's not reserved for preachers. It's not reserved for ministers. It's not reserved for elders. It's not reserved for people that do Beth Moore Bible studies only. It's reserved for the body of Jesus Christ. It's for little boys that know Jesus. It's for little girls. It's for junior hires and high schools and collegians and young adults and old adults and middle-aged adults and, and adults that don't have much hair and adults that have a lot of hair. It's for everybody to share Christ. I'm trying to motivate you about this, folks. 
And I'm just telling you, you are perfectly designed and perfectly positioned, as I tell you every weekend, to be a witness where you are. And you're saying, well, well, is that me? Yes, it's you. You can, you can make a difference. And yet, so many times we just want to run through our thing. I, I want to just give you a passage. I'm going to have to flip through this kind of rather quickly, but, but I want to show you something. I want you to turn over to uh, 2 Kings. Can you do that? 2 Kings. Hope I can find it too. Let's, uh, hey, I found it. So it's in that 325 section, if that helps you in my Bible. There's so many Bibles out there. You're like, gee, thanks, brother. My intro's 300 pages. Okay. Uh, I'm going to tell you a chapter. It's chapter 7. 2 Kings chapter 7. This is one of my favorite uh, stories in the uh, book of Kings, maybe in, in the Old Testament. Um, see, a lot of times we think our religion, our Christianity is private, but it needs to go public. We need to share Christ. And you see, Christianity is an event. It's the greatest event of history of all mankind that Jesus Christ came to save and rescue a lost world. If you look there in Second uh, Kings, give you a little history, it's around 850 B.C. There's two kingdoms. There's a northern kingdom and there's a southern kingdom. And the northern kingdom is called Israel. The southern kingdom is called Judah. Okay, you got it? Israel and Judah. And there's all kind of kings rolling around that day. And the northern kingdom has some like wicked, uh, full of themselves, egotistic kind of kings. And there's one there, Jehoram. He's a king and he, he's really, he's not a good king at all. And, uh, Elisha the prophet comes to tell him some things and he won't listen. He's basically like, look, you've been hard toward God. You've been a rebellion. You, you need to turn from your sin and, or God's going to come and going to take you. He goes, oh, no, you, you're just telling me that to scare me. Well, the Bible says that Samaria, they surround Samaria and it gets besieged. In other words, people cannot go into the community and they can't come out of the community. And if nobody can come in and nobody can go out, guess what it means? All the food does what? Dries up. So they're, they're in serious trouble. There's all kind of, uh, desolation and, 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 and people are in a tough time here if you read all these chapters of Kings. But outside the walls, there's these lepers. And basically, lepers, they were like, they'd be like the people in our day-to-day that have severe cases of AIDS, and especially in years past when everybody was just scared of somebody with AIDS. And so they were like, man, leper, leper, and they wouldn't even go near them. And these guys were like on the outcast of the city, and they're like starving to death. I mean, everybody's like, it's a hard economic time here in the book of Kings. So in this, they there's a sound that God does, and the people escape, and they leave. And these lepers come over the hill. I mean, they're just kind of walking over the hill doing their thing. And as they come over the hill, they see this land, and there's nobody there. I mean, these, the area has been, uh, everybody's left. And as they go in there, I just want you to look down here. At 2 Kings chapter 7, it's an amazing thing, because as they go in there, they're seeing that uh, nobody is here. And what they're doing is, let's look at 2 Kings 7 verse 8. The men who had leprosy reached the edge of the camp and entered one of the tents. They ate and drank and carried away silver, gold, and clothes and went off and hid them. Man, they're like, party! Party in the city, baby! I mean, I can't believe I did that. I'm going to like die next service. But, I mean, man, they are like, man, we got all these goods. And they're like bling, bling. And they're wearing all their jewelry. And they're having food. And and and, and, and I even think that they had this this four-man leprosy band. Okay. <laughs> And, 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 and they had, they had a hit song called Footloose. Anyway, I mean, man, they're just like partying. That's not in the Bible, okay? That was just a little humor, okay? I know some of y'all are like, man, I never read that in the Bible. That is cool, man. I'm gonna read that, you know? 
You, you're not going to find that, not even in the Hebrew, okay? But, but basically, they, they are having a good time in the kingdom. Because man, they're like, dude, they, man, they like putting trinkets and the blings, like killing them and they're eating and drinking and partying and then they're running off and hiding it and they're coming back. But there's an amazing thing that happens. Look there in verse nine. They come to a realization. Then they said to each other, we're not doing right. This is a day of good news and we're keeping it to ourselves. That verse tells me one thing. We cannot keep the good news of Jesus Christ to ourselves. We have to go and share the good news of Jesus with other people. Amen? And we have to be a fisher of men. We have to be a fisher of women. We have to get after it. And I hope this is encouraging. Is this helping anybody this morning? I hope this series has done something to you, not just, hey, I filled up some more notes. I hope, I will tell you, somebody in our church, they said this message series has got such a hold on them, they're getting ready to launch a new career because of this series. Hallelujah. There are a lot of people, God wants to make us bold witnesses for him if we'll just say, Lord, send me. Lord, open my mouth. Lord, give me words. I'll go for you. Now, I, I want to talk to you about something real quick. I just feel like uh, I need to do this. You ready? You can close your notes up if you want to. Next weekend, we're, we're going to do something. And... Uh, yeah, I, I don't. I don't want you to move. I want. Oh, I want you to move because you like really help. Thank you, Jeremy. Here's here's what I want us to do. I want to go ahead and give you a forewarning. God called Don and I to lead a celebratory movement almost 12 years ago, and we give praise to Jesus every day. We're humbled to be your pastor and to have my wife and family to serve you. It's an awesome thing. We love you. But God has been speaking to me over the last several weeks about something and. He told me when I finish this series, I've got to do it. So I want to tell you what I'm doing. Next weekend, we're going to have a Sunday called Reverence. Because I think it's something that I failed to teach you. I haven't taught the young generations very well. Uh, I'm all about celebration. It's all about the heart of God. But there's also a thing of reverence. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to listen carefully. I don't want you to move around next weekend. I don't want you to walk around and talk to people. I want you to get here early. And I want you to show up and I want you to get in your seat. And I want you to get here five minutes early and prepare your heart. Can you do that? Well, hello? And let me tell you something else we're going to do. We're not using the drums and all that next weekend. Not using those awesome electric guitars that are going to be like screaming for the kingdom when we come in. We're going to have more of an acoustic set. We're going to try to just really get back on what worship really is. Sometimes I think worship is something more than what we've made it. So let me tell you, we're going to have plenty of guitars. We're going to do lots of praise over the years. Don't, don't worry. I mean, this is just next weekend. I, I just feel like I've got to share my heart and I've got to, God's teaching me some things about reverence and I want to come teach you. Is that fair enough? So here's what's going to happen. Next Sunday, you're going to go, wow, because I'm praying we're going to have an encounter with Jesus next weekend. And it's going to be real solitude and reverent. And I don't even know what all it looks like. I'm just asking you to come early, be prepared, come in, take your seat and say, Lord, stretch me. Is that fair enough? I just feel like I need to tell you that ahead of time. So that's what's going to happen. Well, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for an awesome morning and for the strength that you've even given me to preach today. I pray, I bless you, Father. Lord, I, I thank you that the good news is too good that we have to tell somebody. We can't just sit on it. And Lord, in knowing that the gospel is so good, we need to tell somebody. And Lord, I, I pray that we'll uh, tell somebody quickly. 
I pray that we would be quick to be a mighty witness for you, Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray that even today, maybe somebody with death would hear you knocking on the door of their heart and they would open their heart to you today, Jesus, to be their Savior and Lord. I pray that today some people would find biblical salvation that starts with repentance. That you go, Lord, I'm a sinner and I fall short of your glory and I turn from my sin. But I know you didn't come to condemn me. I know you came to save me. And, and John 3.16 says, you love me so much that you gave your life for me. That whoever believes, and Lord, I want to believe with all my heart today, should not perish but should have eternal life. So right now, Lord Jesus, I pray that you're dealing with some hearts. I pray you're drawing people to biblical salvation even right now. So here's what I'm going to invite you to do. I'm going to invite elders and their wives just to get over there at that cross. I think some people just need to start making their way. Get rid of your pride, whatever it is. Just nail it down today and say, you know what? I want to know that I know that I know Him. I want to know that I know that I know Jesus Christ, that He's my Savior and He's my Lord, and I lean on Him completely. So I'm just going to invite you just to slide up out of your chair quickly and just walk over that way. I mean, take a friend with you. Maybe there's somebody there and me. I want to go. I want to go to that cross. Will you go with me? Y'all, that's what the church is about. We're a rescue mission. And we've got to present Christ biblically. So I pray somebody is making decisions of faith even right now. The Lord is good. And He's got so much in store for our community. And we bless His holy name because He is worthy. And God's people said, Amen. Right before Jason comes, I want to tell you something. I just got a newspaper clipping just before I came out here. My mother-in-law gave it to me. They're taking the curve out of Ryan Road. They're going to put a traffic light in down here. Is that awesome news or what? Yeah. The little church on Ryan Road, man, a lot of things are going to start happening out this way. Y'all, we got a special place here because we got special people here. But we don't tell enough people about Jesus. It's obvious to me. Would this series not fall on deaf ears? Would this series have an eternal impact for the kingdom of God? May God bless you.